customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. There were a lot of ways that Sunday's game could have gone that wouldn't have necessarily surprised me. I, I thought the Chiefs, even with the issues they had with COVID the whole week, I-, I thought they'd beat the Steelers, and I thought they'd probably have to beat them with at least missing one of their top two pass catchers, which obviously ended up being the case. I didn't think it was going to look like this, though, guys. This was <laughs> this was one of the very narrow outcomes that I was genuinely just not expecting. This game was over at halftime, and it was over with Patrick Mahomes and Byron Pringle and a 50-yard bomb to Derek Gore, some good work from the running game. Like, it's just, it was just a thumping over the Pittsburgh Steelers. As I tweeted after the game, that's uh, hostages 36, volunteers 10, and uh, the Chiefs (laughs) secure their sixth consecutive (laughs) AFC West title, uh, and they did it even with the absolutely toxic, uh, cancerous Melvin Ingram. I can't believe he didn't single-handedly torpedo this franchise. I was told that's what would happen, because I've listened to Mike Tomlin's press conferences. I don't know why I'm feeling so snarky today, but I am. Welcome to Time's Ours. I'm Joshua Briscoe, (laughs) Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser. Uh, Nate, go ahead and uh, walk me through exactly at what point you felt like uh, from the press box this game was uh, was headed to ice. Uh, by the way, just marvelous work. <laughs> Thank, you. Uh, Thank, you. Thank you. I mean, can we change the scoreboard at Arrowhead to hostages? <laughs> Thirty six volunteers, dude. <laughs> because if you if you do describe it like that, you're like, yeah, hostages would need to do more than the volunteers uh, <laughs> on the scoreboard. <laughs> so, again, marvelous work. Look, this game was over at the end of the first quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. It This game, um, to me, fellas, reminds me that football is truly the ultimate team sport. And also... MVP quarterbacks, when healthy, can just about make anything look normal. And 
that beat down, and I think uh, you alluded to this, Josh, even before we started recording, this beat down was just as similar, just as complete as when the Chiefs dismantled the, the Raiders, depending upon whether you want to say that happened in Las Vegas or more so in the rematch in Arrowhead. It was the same, just without the the normal, without some of the normal characters, some of the normal star players that we are used to seeing. Um, but this is, I mean, this was the ultimate team win, and yet you look at, you know, you look at some of the plays and you're like, oh, this is why Aaron Rodgers is gonna win MVP because like he can throw to anyone in a Green Bay Packers uniform, and we have just never had to see a version of that for the Chiefs offense, right? Um, Mahomes and Kelsey have just about always been available as consistently as you could ask uh, from players of those caliber in terms of talent and obviously what they do from a production standpoint. Um, but in the second game without Travis Kelsey, it did, it, and I included it in my story in The Athletic, it's like, oh, yeah, they beat the Broncos in a meaningless game. But they beat the Broncos because they had the best player on the field. And it's like, oh, they beat the Steelers yesterday because they had the best player on the field. And his Uh, name is Byron Pringle. (laughs) I mean, I think you mispronounced Creed Humphrey. Oh, yeah. Seth, uh, did did this catch you by surprise? um, That manner of it, just because we... We've kind of gotten used to this whole, like, hey, Chiefs kind of played down to competition a little bit. We're not used to the Chiefs just actively beating down teams. Although, it's worth noting this year, like, their wins, like, they had the heart attack win against Cleveland. They beat Philadelphia pretty handily. It didn't feel like it till the fourth because the defense was like, ah, let's just let them march up and down the field. But they beat Washington by 18. Then they were close against the Giants and the Packers, but then they beat Vegas by a million, Dallas by 10, Denver by 13, Vegas by a million again. Golly, they just destroyed <laughs> Vegas this year. Gosh, 41 to 14 and 48 to 9. That's so bad. And then you know you have the overtime win against the Chargers. And then like 36 to 10, like that could that game could have been so much worse. For the well, for one thing, there's a missed field goal and a missed extra point. Yeah. Like I mean, and it could have been so much worse. Like, in the second half, the Chiefs had very strong, like, let's just get out of here healthy, guys. Come on. And Mike Tomlin's like, I'm calling timeouts. I am making this last as long as possible. Holding us all hostage, funnily enough. (laughs) Exactly. He's just like, I didn't take people hostage, but now that I see that the Chiefs do it, and it works. But it's just worth noting that it's kind of interesting, like, on this win streak that they've been on, You know, they barely beat the Giants in a game where Mahomes did not play well. They barely beat the Packers, sort of. Uh, The the defense dominated that game so much against a backup, albeit, Mm -hmm. that that game didn't super feel in doubt in the fourth quarter to me. But since then, you've got multi-score wins in every single game except the Chargers. And I thought that's what maybe what I would start with. But I would say, like, in terms of when you knew it was over... After the first drive by each team, it was one of those, like, it reminded me of the uh, the 2018 playoffs, right? That's when they played the Colts with that snow game. And I remember watching from the, the press box, hashtag I'm super important. And 
I, Nate, I remember you and me, like, there was some version, I don't remember whether we texted or whether, but it was like, maybe even during warm-ups, it was like, you know, the Chiefs look a lot faster than these guys. Yep. I, I, believe, it, I, I believe that play was the end around to Tyreek Hill, and I said, oh, it's going to be that kind of day in the snow. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, oh, they can't they can't run with Sammy. They can't run with Tyreek. They can't run with McCall. Like, they just could not run with anyone. Like, they just couldn't do it. Or it wasn't McCall's because he was the next year because the whole deal. But it, it was one of those games where, like, you could see that Pittsburgh's offensive line was woefully overmatched. You could see that T.J. Watt wasn't himself. And, I mean, he was trying. I mean, he was out. He's a great player. But you could see, like, oh, they're not going to get pressure. And you could tell immediately Mahomes was like, I'm going to have one of those games where I'm just going to take these 10-yard gains all day. All day. Just blip, blip, blip. And I, so I knew after the first drive, barring, like, you know, one of those, hey, they're going to turn the ball over five times. Right. That it was over. And even that just hasn't felt like it, it it hasn't had that sense of impending doom that we we had that we learned to have like the the pavlovian response of the the ball is bounced up in the air and then we all just immediately tweet a bad word because that's the season that we were watching and then it sort of stopped being that way in this game i mean there if we all were going to kind of throw out like a takeaway or something the, the one just like fun stat that i want to give you and look again Nobody listening to this show thinks that a box score tells the full story, right? We've all we've all gotten past that point. We're good here. This is more of a, a fun symptom of the game that we saw, and also just what these last two games have been for the Chiefs. Against the Chargers, the Chiefs scored 34 points with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey combining for 22 receptions, 339 yards, and three touchdowns. One of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen from a pair of number one pass catchers. Against the Steelers, the Chiefs scored 36 points with two receptions for 19 yards, no touchdowns from that duo. Obviously, Hill did not play his usual amount. Travis Kelsey didn't play at all. But the absolute whiplash of that is just is shocking. And in, in both games, the offense looked good. It, it And it was more late than against the Chargers and more the whole way through against the Steelers, I suppose. But at no point in either of those games, you know, do you think like, well, this this is this is an offense falling back to earth here, even as though, again, I know the Chiefs Chargers game was not quite as beautiful right out of the gate, uh, or at least in that sort of middle section where you occasionally see them stumble a bit. But the takeaway for me for Chiefs Chargers was, oh, this offense can still do all of its usual things running through Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I wonder if they'll be able to do that with anyone else. And then you get 50% of the 200% of Hill and Kelsey yesterday, and the offense still looks wonderful against the Steelers defense that doesn't suck. Like, that offense is a misery to watch, even whenever they're helping your team win. But there, there are legitimate players all across that defense, and it didn't matter. No. Byron Pringle and Noah Gray and Blake Bell. <laughs> like, and and it's, yeah, it's crazy. And I and I need to say this, um, you know, to, to remind fans that there are going to be in a championship season or the potential of a championship season, you know, which is, I mean, look, this team is playing um, as well as anybody in the NFL right now. Obviously, they're, most, they're the most consistent team. 
since the you know since November first, right? Since mm-hmm. I believe that game uh, right after uh, Halloween. So obviously, you know who the main characters are, but there's got to be guys along the way that play above expectation. And yet again, whether T.J. Watt had cracked ribs, which it appeared to be, or not, um, Andrew Wiley is just playing out of his mind. Yeah. I just, I can't state that enough. Uh, You know, they don't say his name on the broadcast because he's holding up. Um, Mahomes has eight seconds because Andrew Wiley can win one-on-one. I didn't think Andrew Wiley was a tackle. Mm-hmm. Coming into training camp, I, I really was like, I don't know where his place is on the team. Uh, maybe his best value is that he gives you the slightest bit of continuity with Nick Allegretti, even though the entire offensive line was obviously going to uh, be changed from the starting position. And as the as a swing tackle, as the third option, um, he has just played marvelous compared to. Uh, where he was a year ago when he was sort of thrust into that position, I believe, against the New Orleans Saints kind of late in the year when Eric Fisher uh, was dealing with his issues. And obviously, Mitchell Schwartz had the back injury. Um, You know, Mike Rimmers was still battling uh, his own version of a a lower back injury, uh, if my memory's correct. And so uh, I thought at the time, at this point last year, man, Andrew Wiley, admirable player, Probably should be a guard. I don't know where his future is at a tackle. Um, But it's clear he's worked really hard at this. He's gotten so much better about how to just take on uh, some of these elite pass rushers. And it's been been truly remarkable, just as much as it is on defense, to know that, okay, um, Andrew Wiley is blocking well. Uh, Noah Gray seems to have a much better understanding of zone coverage now and is actually an available option when necessary. Guys, Blake Bell caught a dig route across the field on the opening script. He did. And was was open. That was a moment right there also. So, yeah, forget after the first two drives. It was like, oh, no. Like, that's that's not good for you guys. Um, You know, it's – look – um, I don't know, and this is the unfortunate part of, again, not being in the locker room because you would talk to more guys, obviously, after games. Like, we don't necessarily know what this new variant does to one's body, um, even though the league has set its testing protocols where you can come back sooner. So, as you mentioned, Josh, Tyreek Hill played less than usual, but as Josh, or excuse me, as Seth has mentioned, um, Tyreek Hill didn't really need to play after the first quarter. Like, they basically used him as a decoy after that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Charverius Ward uh, was one of the lesser guys who was on the uh, COVID-19 list, came off of it, um, and was never fooled by a flea flicker that looked awful from the moment it started. Yep. Uh, Yeah. you know, so he performed well. He performed better than I anticipated just because, hey, I don't know what it's like if you test positive with this new variant. And even though you're vaccinated, like it, you know, um, you never want a virus, let alone to try to play a football game shortly thereafter. Um, so this was a resilient win. And this was also, as someone I think mentioned on, on Twitter earlier, this was half of a JV team being called up to varsity 
in the machine just never stopping. Mm. Like it just it was clockwork. It was systematic. It was organized. Um, you know, it was the annual. Hey, we get to talk to Clark Hunt for a few minutes because they won yet another AFC West divisional title, and he's like, "Look, man." You could put anything in front of Andy Reid, and he would still be thorough in his preparation. Um, and that speaks to him being a Hall of Fame coach, and at the same time, uh, his players having full trust in him. And then on a day like yesterday, um, why would you not listen to him, Eric Bieniemy, Steve Spagnuolo, Dave Tobe? I mean, can we talk about Dave Tobe? I mean, <laughs> how did they find Elliot Fry? I mean, I know how, but like, how? You gave, you gave him three practices, and he banged a 44-yard field goal in the wind. I can't tell you how difficult that is, okay? With a new operating system of James Winchester. Uh, what's your name? Is it? It's, it's Johnny, right? It's Johnny. Okay, Johnny's going to hold me the ball, and I'm going to kick this thing through a gusting wind. Something that the veteran kicker on a always reliable Steelers team couldn't do. So, I, like... It's one of those it's one of those victories where it just it just lets guys it it, it affirms them in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it's always nice to when it's always nice when you have like reaffirming um thoughts, messages, you know, outcomes um and this this is just one part of you know, if the team wins a championship you can we could we could always track some of these moments and I just think I, I'm kind of blown away. But again, it's a team sport and like they were the better team with half the J V squad or guys who weren't on the roster a week ago. Yeah. I, I usually fail to mention this specifically to later in the show, so I'll say now if you want to go read Nate's gamer on this one, you can go check it out up on the athletic right now, uh, from all the takeaways from a uh, I think appropriately referred to their resilient win. Um and also, Seth, you have your first piece of the week up in the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Um and your final takeaway in this piece made me very happy because it's something that I was talking about on the radio. 12 hours before, not quite 12, but it felt kind of like it, like eight hours before reading uh, this piece here. <laughs> it always makes me happy when we have similar conclusions on things because it means either we're both really smart or we're both equally dumb. And, you know, at that point, it doesn't really matter which it is. Um, but but you, you sort of dismount here with the observation that the Chiefs can win and have won just about any style and every style of game that you could think of this year. In, in at the very least, they've won every style of game that's been thrown at them. I, can you expand on that a little bit and, and also why that was one of your final takeaways and, and why that's important here with two regular season games left and then playoff time? Sure. Um, beyond uh, going into just you know how wins have occurred, uh, the, the biggest thing would be to note, like say, even just in the first half against the Steelers and then going into the second half a little bit, you got to watch them do any number of things really, really well, which is going to happen in a blowout win, right? You know, you commented about it. They really, you have to be better in like every phase of the game all over the field to dominate like that. Mm. And they were. And what's interesting is that they can win at every level on both offense and defense. 
Um, so, I mean, if you start off with the defense, because that's kind of been the big storyline this year is went from historically bad to it's been really, really good. Like not just like good or above average, like what the hope has always been, but like a higher ceiling than I thought they could reach. Cause I assumed that the version we saw of Frank Clark earlier this year was what it was always going to be. Right. I didn't think he'd call back to being a really, really good player. Like, cause players usually don't do that. That's just not something you see, but they can win at every level on defense. They can win um, rushing four guys, right? Their defensive line. They had a rough game against the Chargers to an extent, but, you know, they were missing their best player in Chris Jones, right? And they were also missing Willie Gay Jr., um, one of their most important defenders. And we talked about the difference in those two things, right? Um, and you saw Willie Gay Jr.'s impact against the, the Steelers in the run game. People talk about him, you know, as an athlete and a pass defender, but he's really important in the run game as well. So they can win with the front four, um, whether it's against the pass or the run in, in, some, in some cases. They and then at the second level, the linebacker group where they've been poor for years or at least middling and capable of being exploited, that with how Gay's been playing and how Bolton's been playing and where that allows and how that allows Hitchens to play, it's become more of a position of strength. And then on the back end, you have a number of guys who are playing well in coverage, who are super physical. You saw that come into play again, how physical their cornerbacks are. Um, all their corners tackle well. And that's one of those things that people love to talk about to the point it almost becomes overrated. But it, do but it does matter. Like It's like having a corner who's bad at tackling isn't that big a deal because corners are supposed to be bad at tackling. Having corners that are really good at tackling, though, that can be an unexpected strength um, because a lot of run games are designed to try to force your corners to tackle. A lot of wide receiver screens, that kind of stuff, they're designed to force the corners to tackle. And if they can, it's a big deal. So they can win at every level of the defense. They can, they can beat teams that are run heavy. They can beat teams that try to throw the ball all over the yard. They, they force really tough throws. Even Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger made half a dozen to ten really good throws Sunday. And it felt like every single time they had a completion, it had to be a really good throw. You know, like that first completion he had on that first down, that was an insanely good pass. And that's what they needed. And their defense, it just forces teams to play so well, snap after snap after snap to move the ball. And they don't give up big plays. And then on the offensive side of the ball, gradually what you've seen over the course of the season is them playing small ball and them saying, okay, fine, we'll, we'll run these these quick hitch concepts to death since you're going to give it to us eight yards at a time we'll run the ball they can do whatever they want to do andy still doesn't take advantage in my opinion enough schematically of what teams do against them but what you saw against is they can run the ball down your throat they can run a bunch of little dinky routes they can they can run pick plays and screen you to death and if none of that works they can always go bombs away down the field the moment you stop paying attention they can do everything. And like that line, styles make fights. You know, it's a boxing term and it's something people use for football all the time. And it's true. That's why the whole, well, team A beat team B and team C beat team A. That doesn't make sense because styles make fights. <laughs> With the Chiefs, that's not necessarily true because they can adapt if they're willing and they yes. don't shoot themselves in the foot, they can adapt to basically any style of game. And that's why I'm just – with how they're currently playing – they are they are not matchup proof because matchup matters, um, but they can do whatever they need to do 
and kind of adapt on a game-by-game basis if that's what they want to do. Andy Reid traditionally hasn't been that kind of coach, but they can do that now, and I feel like they're doing it a little more lately. Yeah, and let, I mean, let's go through uh, some of these most recent victories, right? I mean, um, they just played straight up and beat a team that always used to do that in the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the Cowboys, they were like, we're not afraid of you, Dak Prescott. We're coming. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, no. Uh, and it worked. And it worked. Uh, against the against the Raiders in the first game, they had just come off of telling a rookie quarterback, hey, dog, it's a zero blitz. Like, <laughs> it, hey, dog, we coming. They went from a game like that and then said, okay, um, now it's our time. Now it's a game for our offense to show just how much of a mismatch this is against, you know, uh, a Gus Bradley defense with the Raiders. Um, in the rematch, they didn't blitz Derek Carr a ton, but the defense um, was more willing to create turnovers in that game, which led to short drives for the offense, and the offense uh, did its best to complement the defense in that way. Um, against the Chargers, hey, man. Uh, we need greatness. We need, you know, in order to win the division against a team that that's playing really, really well, we need the best quarterback in the league to be the best quarterback in the league. And so they've, they have, you know, I'm not saying this is a bingo card, but if, if there is something that they need, they can, uh, draw from it. And that's obviously what's going to be so important in January, uh, whether they get the number one seed, which we can get into that a little bit later, or, um, you know, just just however they, whoever is in front of them, in the playoffs, uh, this roster and this coaching staff, and the experience they've already had, um, leads me to probably one of the most terrifying things I want to say, fellas. There's a quote that Patrick said yesterday. I'm gonna give. Josh, you may have listened to this via the post game show. Do you do you know what quote I'm I'm, no, I'm, I'm suggesting? I'm on the edge of my seat, but I, mo- I don't. I, I heard every syllable that man said yesterday, and I, including a profane one that made it to television, very hilariously. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this was the problem, and uh, our colleague and, and my buddy Robert Mays said this like weeks ago about the AFC. You know what, like screwing themselves up uh and it really and by the way uh, quietly it wasn't the afc it was actually the nfc east that 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 dis- that that disrupted the afc's plan right um washington had a chance to beat the chiefs they got torched in the second half um without saquon barkley the giants couldn't do it okay it's not the chiefs fault that aaron Rodgers was immunized but here we are and they <laughs> lost uh, you know, like the Cowboys, the best representative of the NFC East got beat. And in that middle part of the season, the AFC had kind of done its job. Like Baltimore did its job. The Chargers had one. Obviously the Bills, you know, that was their best one of the season up until yesterday. Mm. Um, but Robert's point, which is correct, was like, man, the AFC really wasted a chance. Uh, because not only were contenders beating the Chiefs, but they had multiple weeks to build and maybe increase mm-hmm. their lead or maintain it in the standings. 
Obviously, they've slid back. Obviously, the NFC was a godsend to the Chiefs in some ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> shout out to the NFC East. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate but, you guys. You kept it. You kept it interesting. Yeah, and by the way, um, I always think of that Eagles game as like, wow, that was when the Eagles season kind of turned because like mm. Jalen Hurts is kind of a thing. Yeah, and I, and I like it. Uh, yeah. And like Sirianni, like okay, like all right, I I like this, sir. Like coaching to your <laughs> players' strengths. How about that? Um, not about the system anymore, are you, coach? Or not as much, I should say. Um, quote: This is from Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Quote: Defenses defenses are playing us with more high shell coverages, and they are making us drive the full length of the field. It's built us for these moments. Guys, Uh-oh. you, 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 I don't, guys, we need to start telling every AFC defensive coordinator to, to, to start getting in the lab because it's too late. Okay. <laughs> it's too late. He is, he is a, he is a living organism that has figured out the too high shell coverage. Ah, uh, we can't the, win. The incredible schematic advantage of his players not dropping the football anymore. Right. Or turning the ball. Or dropping passes that lead to interceptions. Right. <laughs> um, or fumbling. But, like, guys, we can't blitz. All right, scratch that off the chalkboard. Okay. He seems to know where to go with the ball with too high coverage. All right, scratch that off the list. Uh, can we put 11 pro bowlers on the field? <laughs> That's against the cap. Okay, scratch that off. The, what can we do? We need more Bosas. Um, <laughs> There's I, only two of them, coach. Oh, dang it. So I there's 90 gajillion inches of snow outside, and I want to touch on all this, but I have to go start my car, so I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, God. What wow. a, what, it is, uh, what, <laughs> Nate, would you say, sick in the low 60s here currently in Kansas City? I mean, it, it it's been nice. Feels, I think it's supposed to get cold tomorrow, but it, it feels, nice really, feels really nice. Um, I'm going to open my window in the office here. <laughs> it, you know what? The, I mean, I, I think we might be moving back in the timeline a little bit because you're asking, all right, so what are you doing now? And I was going to mention this anyway in the whole Styles fights situation in the yes. conversation. You know what you might you might just have to do? Throw the football for 525 yards. Oh, 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 giddy up! I know it's Monday. I know we're going to talk about this game later in the in, in the week. What, but did, what, what did the Ravens do to this man? What did they do I, to him? I would not. I would not hate it. If we got a thousand yard passing game for Patrick Mahomes plus Joe Burrow next week, I would like uh, to see that. Oh, no, I, I am. Um, when the schedule comes out, you're like, all right, that might be something. All right, you know, ooh, I want to circle this one. I want to circle Baltimore. I want to circle, you know, December 16th in LA because you just know the magnitude of, of where that's going to go even before the first kickoff happens. All right. Um, It'll be really nice to see Aaron. Yep, it didn't happen again. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, hey, the Cowboys come to town. That'll be fun. Um, what I'm getting at, folks, is Cincinnati was not one of those circle on the calendar games. It was like, yeah. oh, they're contractually obligated to play this game in front of a live audience <laughs> and in front of millions on television. 
Uh, you know, but give credit to Joe Burrow. Um, man, I I really cannot wait to talk about that game later they this got, week. They got they got legit. They got like, dudes. Four dudes. They got dudes. They got, like four legit dudes. Dudes. Can I, can I note something? Sure. You know you gotta, where? No, but you gotta say it like this. We're saying dudes. Dudes. Dude. Dude. Do you know where Cincinnati's weighted DVOA was on offense before facing? The Raven C Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just have this? Can I just enjoy this one? Go ahead, ruin my dude. Fun. No, um, <laughs> it was no. I like Joe Burrow, and they do have they they got four dudes. You guys are not wrong. They uh, Mixon, Burrow, Higgins, and and Young Tyler young. Boyd. <laughs> Tyler Boyd will just occasionally have a seventy yard touchdown. It just happens He'll, sometimes. He will occasionally have a day, for sure. Just I, I just like them. I don't think they're going to win next week. Spoiler alert. I just like them. No, for sure. And they have torched some defenses this year. <laughs> yeah, like they the torched. Ravens and the Ravens again. Yeah. And now, they they didn't do much against San Francisco. They, they did okay. They put up 23. Denver gave them problems. And Los Angeles gave them problems. Because we're talking, but they're 20th. There's the spoiler. In, in offensive DVOA. Now, that's weighted DVOA. Actually, it would be a little bit worse, I think, if it were earlier in the year. But that's obviously going to go up facing the Ravens. So that's just something I want to kind of put a pin in. But I'm happy that there's a lot of hype right now around the Bengals because I, and we'll talk about it later this week. But have you noticed, like, so the Chiefs, they they, they, they go into the game against the Chargers. You heard a lot of hype about the Chargers. Uh, by, by, the way, by the way, shout out, shout out to Kimberly Martin from ESPN was like, Come back to me when, when Justin Herbert has an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. And everybody on Get Up was like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead, Seth. You, you guys um, want a real quick piece of breaking news? going to ruin your day and then we can take Seth's point. Oh, Bashad. Bashad Breland signing with the Cardinals. And I've always kind of rooted for the Cardinals. i got family in Arizona and everything. I'm going to go ahead and get my jersey now before it's too late so I can enjoy these last two games of the regular season with Bashad Breland as a Cardinal. I'm, I'm not saying the Chiefs needed him. I just wanted them to do it. Go I ahead, wonder. Zach. Yeah, my, I, my day's ruined. I wonder how much he. Uh, I wonder how much he would have played, and I wonder whether that factored into a decision because they really like we talked about last week. I mean, they're they're doing pretty well where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, but no, that that is a bummer. I like Bashad Breland, and I think he will forever maybe be an underrated part of the run the Chiefs have had the last few years. Definitely. Um. But it's just it, so you you see that the you know, the Chargers got a lot of hype and then the Chiefs beat them and then Herbert deserves all the hype. They're a really good team. I personally, there's a long list of teams I'd rather see in the playoffs than the Chargers. Um, although to be fair, I'm curious what Herbert does when it's like you know they have Chris Jones, they have Legarius Sneed, they have Willie Gage. I don't know. Um, and then they, they beat Pittsburgh a week after Pittsburgh beats the Titans, and no one's out here pretending Pittsburgh's a juggernaut, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. But they're a playoff team. Well, maybe. They were supposed to be. They had a chance to be a playoff team. Yeah, they're they still technically chance, in they, it. They're an average NFL team. Perfectly, actually. They're going to end this season 8-8-1. Eight, eight, I'm just sure of it. Yeah, just perfectly average. And beating down a perfectly average NFL team is not easy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if now the Bengals have a lot of hype, which is good. They deserved it. Great win against the Ravens C squad on defense mm-hmm. and not their actual quarterback. That's great. 
Um, man, I've become snarkier and snarkier leading into these games. One of these days it's going to come back and bite me. But it might be interesting to see the Chiefs start to get... I, I feel like the Chiefs are still falling victim a little bit to how badly they started the year. Yeah. And people are still more kind of basing it off that as opposed to what's happened over the course of the last eight, like eight games. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And also, being coming off of back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, like... Whenever the Chiefs win, it is business as usual. And whenever it looks ugly, it's what's wrong with the Chiefs. I mean, you know, it, this is still relatively new territory for Chiefs fans, I know, because this is still relatively new territory for the Chiefs. But it's kind of, I, I think it's part of this super weird territory. Um, speaking of weird territory, Seth, I know you have to go uh, hike through the snowy mountains of Minnesota. Did you, did you so have bad. anything else from our uh, our previous topic when you had to go put on your snowshoes, go outside and start your car so you won't absolutely freeze in the yeah. of ice I mean, whenever you get out there? I mean, Coach Kaiser, I mean, we've been crunching the numbers, watching the film. Uh, even the analytics department doesn't have an answer right now. What, what do we do? <laughs> to stop the Chiefs? Stop the this, Stop 15. Um, you, (laughs) um, well, if you get really good pressure with four and you have really, really great coverage and chiefs receivers drop some passes, you've got a good shot. Is it, does it flubber the movie? Yes. (laughs) I I think I've mentioned this on the show before you need like. You got to put like inverse flubber on the gloves of Chiefs receivers. Or maybe just flubber. I guess it would bounce off. Oh my God. Do you guys think they had flubber on their gloves for the first like eight games of the year? <laughs> it's why Tyreek Hill's hands got so bouncy. I won't rule that out. Well, that was the other thing. It's not like it was just like, you know, oh, they, they need the, 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 the third weapon to step up and all that. Kelsey and Hill were dropping a lot of passes too. Yeah. And that was never going to continue. Like, Travis Kelsey was bound for, like, the type of game that he had against the Chargers. Um, but, no, honestly, on film, the Chiefs' offensive line is playing as well as it's played all year. Um, Orlando Brown has more and more. I think he's played well all year, but I think he's played better as the year's gone along. Mm-hmm. Um, they just – they're tough, man. They're a tough out. And they just I, – I think you, you really – it's the same thing it's been all year. You hope that they beat themselves. You hope that they commit a few stupid penalties. You hope that they drop a couple passes. You hope that Mahomes gets a little frisky in the pocket. You just oh, hope that... Maybe. Uh, you either need 35 or you need luck. And honestly, like, playoff Mahomes... He retired, actually, so that's not going to work. Playoff Mahomes is, has also been an entirely different animal. Like the only two times we've seen Mahomes lose in the playoffs was against the Patriots, where they what did they put up thirty five in the second half? We're like, you know, Tom Brady, was, and Bill it Belichick, was 31, like, oh. 31. And They were like, what do we have to do to put this guy away? And what they had to do was watch a team play, you know, too high man coverage over and over and over and over and over and lose a coin flip. That's what they had to do. Where And then the Super Bowl, even with everything that happened, if people just caught passes, that, that's a close game. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't know what you can expect. I mean, especially with the Chiefs' run game finding a groove when they need it, um, which is something just on a side note, I'll let you guys talk about it because I do have to go. I, I am interested in looking at some of the snaps this week because Super Bowl teams often have guys come out and provide unexpected contributions. Not often, always. And Derek Gore's a guy who 
for a few different reasons. I really like what he brings to the offense. And I like the fact that when he runs the ball, Andy Reid's like, well, we should run power. Like, <laughs> and I like that. It's like, hey, we should do the thing the offensive line is good at. That sounds awesome. And I, I'm going to try to take a look at him this week and take a look at what it is he's doing on some of these snaps, whether it is just the blocking's that much better on those snaps or whether he's doing something a little bit different. So that should be fun. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and only that. And not the draft, and not <laughs> positional value. <laughs> yeah, that is if I do not get lost in a mountain of snow. Like, guys, it snowed like fifteen inches here. What? And now it's like what? It's like it's like five degrees out. Like this morning, oh, I like had like an existential crisis. But I will uh, I'll hopefully, if if I'm still, if I'm not, you know, eaten by a yeti, or uh, you know, it was a sixty-five from degrees here today. Okay. Well, just move, Seth. I mean, it's gonna get cold on Wednesday, but just, just come down here. It's fine. I, we'll, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna think about it. You guys, I, your entire family can stay on our futon. Oh, well, it's, gonna be, real, nice. it's gonna be a real, Willy Wonka, little Charlie the Chocolate Factory <laughs> situation. That that sounds like a treat. But uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys later this week. All right, stay. Uh, Thank just, you, sir. Like, keep your body temperature up, Seth. Ah, yeah, I'll, I'll run in place while I drive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds dangerous. Uh, to get the rest of Seth's work this week, go to the uh, the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchoosefan.substack.com. Plus, we'll, we'll of course, have a, another episode uh, later in the week um, looking ahead to, to Chiefs and Bengals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
You want to spend a minute on the running back thing here, Nate? I mean, I've got... Also, we should say that the good news on the injury front is that it sounds like Clyde edwards Lair, not a broken collarbone. We found that out shortly after the game. Um, negative x-rays there. And then today we find out that, uh, I think it was Schefter who used the phrase week to week, um, but said it would it would still be unlikely or still be difficult to, to see him returning uh, in time for the Bengals game, but that it's a bruised, I'm just going to get the right phrase here, bruised shoulder, week-to-week designation here, again, quote, challenging from the play Sunday against the Bengals. So that's your, your injury update. And then to Seth's point, I, I haven't done the math on this. I'd like to go double check it at some point. I, I don't know uh, who would have been the contender for this other than maybe Jamal Charles, maybe Damian Williams might have made this happen, but uh, Derek Gore has a 50-yard run and a 50-yard reception this year, and I can't imagine that that happens terribly often, and he's done it on not very many touches. Um, obviously, uh, Daryl Williams has gotten a lot of work as well, so any any thoughts on that group there? I know Andy Reid also talked about Jarek McKinnon some today. He's eligible yes. to return from the IR, so some options again in the running back room. Yeah, this is my uh, understanding right now uh, on Monday. Could change, of course, depending on uh, how practice goes this week. But my understanding is uh, for the betterment of the postseason, I wouldn't anticipate Clyde Rosillier playing on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. So that means uh, Daryl Williams will start. Uh, Derek Gore will be the backup. Jarrett McKinnon can be your third down, scat back, passing option if he is activated from injured reserve and he practices well this week. Um, Andy, as you mentioned, sort of gave uh, gave the appearance that like that's the where that's what he thinks the week is gonna go to. Like, hey, you know, um I think his quote was that McKinnon uh is in a pretty good position physically, end quote. So um so if he does well, they'll at least have three running backs that all know the system by now, uh, that are all capable um, but to Seth's point, Josh, and uh, every now and then, you know, someone says something, and whether it's recorded or not, you can kind of, you know, uh, crackle the knuckles and flex <laughs> your football expertise. Or the fact that you watched NFL films as a kid uh, to pass the time back in the day. Because, see, kids, there wasn't a thing called YouTube. Yeah. All right, you had to <laughs> pop in a VHS and say... Well, I mean, it's football, so that's yeah. better than days of our lives. So let's let's Whoa. roll the tape. If my mom is listening to this episode, man, you just got you just got on the naughty list. That's gonna be it's gonna be hard for you to come back from. I'm sorry, Miss Briscoe, but that's really brutal. Uh, when he said, when Seth said Derek Gore could be somebody who could, you know, matter in a important part of the season. You know who the first player I thought of? Uh no, I don't. I feel this yeah, go ahead. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna do look, I don't know the future guys. I'm just trying to give you context. Derek Gore, who again has played very well uh coming out of Louisiana Monroe. Uh you know he was with the Chargers in 2019, he was with Washington. He was then with the Chargers last year, but he never got on the field. The Chiefs have given him his first real opportunity. Uh, look, guys, he's averaging 4.6 yards a carry. All mm-hmm. right? I get it. All right? He's listed at 5'9", 200 pounds. The player I'm thinking about 
at the time was listed at 5'11", 216 pounds. But the first player I thought of was Timmy Smith. Oh, Timmy Smith. Now you're wondering, if you're of a certain age, who the hell is Timmy Smith, okay? I, I got to be honest. I just Googled the man. I'm, I'm, go ahead. You take it from here. He I'm was, not going to help. I mean, his pro football reference page is kind of sad, but also it is a shooting star across the galaxy. Uh, three years, 87, 88, 89, or excuse me, 1990. Uh, he was with Washington. Then he spent a couple, you know, he spent a year in Dallas, but it didn't work out. But anyway, he reached his apex as a running back, which also tells you how brief these careers are, sadly, um, with Washington. And let me tell you something. Some people will, and look, I, I'm, I'm capable of doing both. It's totally fine. But some people will remember the Super Bowl in 1988. By the way, kids, they used to play the Super Bowl in late January. This game was played on January 31st. Um, in Jack Murphy Stadium. God, what a time. Uh, in 1988, Timmy Smith on a field that included John Elway in the Super Bowl. Ran for 204 yards on 22 attempts. Unbelievable. He had a long of 58, and he scored two touchdowns. Okay? Now, historically, for significance, the quarterback of that team was Doug Williams. And Doug Williams Mm -hmm. gets most of the shine for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons. Because he outgunned John Elway in a Super Bowl, when honestly, that Denver Broncos team kind of stunk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Again, fans of a certain age are nodding their heads with me, hopefully. But, look, guys, after the first quarter, Denver was up 10-0. It looked like John Elway was going to do it. And then Timmy Smith happened. So I don't know if Derek Gore will reach the heights of this. But similar running style, similar background, obviously comparable. And look, if Derek Gore does something beyond in the year of 2022 early. I just want you to remember that I told you guys these type of things can happen. Because in my brain, the moment Seth said this, I was like, Timmy Smith, man. He's hoping for a Timmy Smith moment. And that's no disrespect to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams kind of had his his lovely playoff moment in the win over Cleveland in the division round last year before Clyde mm. came back in the AFC Championship game. But look, guys, uh, can Derek Gore be Timmy Smith? I mean, let's, let's see it, coach. It's hard. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is on the field, so is Travis Kelsey, so is Tyreek Hill in a, right. in a perfect world. Um but, yeah, I think Derek Gore has earned more opportunities if they are available. Um, and you don't want to take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands right now because, God, Lee, he is cooking. But <laughs> uh, I do get the sense that, like, uh, Derek Gore has good vision. He showed yesterday that he can catch the ball. He can even improvise with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is saying, hey, man, go deep. Here, here's my question for you on that right there. So that was a 50-yard completion when it was all said and done. 
Derek Gore is the third running back on this team right now. He started the season as the fourth running back on this team. Maybe, yes. I mean, maybe fifth behind Darwin Thompson before he got cut. Like, Derek Gore is not, I don't imagine, getting a ton of first-team reps in practice. I don't imagine that Derek Gore is getting a ton of run with Patrick Mahomes at practice. And whenever he is, I can't imagine that he's getting a lot of uh, receptions in practice. You tell me, do you think that that the first pass that Derek Gore ever caught from Patrick Mahomes that went for 50 was in a real game against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, It's... It's not the first, but it it certainly isn't like this is a, a regular occurrence. Uh, they to can't your, be running that all that often, to your, right? Yeah, yeah. To your point, uh, no, I man, the way it's uh, the way it's worked. Um, but I mean, you know, again, give credit to. And by the way, uh, I believe Greg Lewis was not coaching yesterday because he was yeah. part of the COVID protocols. So, um. Can we can we put that on like can we put that as a bullet on Eric Bieniemy's resume because you know coaches you know teams can start interviewing coaches starting did you see the today tweet with like the list of the of guys course today, like I the did. top six or whatever of course I mean spoiler alert for any of you who didn't Eric Bieniemy's name not even on the list anymore we're just but, we're just ready look, to rehire Dan Quinn hey we don't, we don't you know in Dallas. we don't we don't have Mike Kafka unfortunately we don't have Greg Lewis unfortunately. Um, but hey, they scored the, 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 again, the hostage just scored 36 <laughs> without a hall of fame tight end and with very little needed from a wide receiver who will likely go in the hall of fame as well. Um, so it just speaks to, again, the brilliance of Mahomes and the fact that like Derek Gore's a gamer. Um, and I think, I think people can admire that and, uh, I would not be opposed to a real 50-50 balance on the box score in terms of touches between him and Daryl Williams. Just, and also because like, I mean, it is late in the season. Like you also want to preserve Daryl Williams as best you can because you know, he can do it in the playoffs. He's already shown you that a year ago. Um, And yeah, let's see Derek Gore get some touches against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like why not? Um, Considering that, uh, there was one drive where, as I think, I mean, I wanted, I, obviously I've rewatched the game. I wanted Jim Nance to be like, come on, dog, just say mixtape. Just say mixtape. <laughs> Don't say highlight film. Say the mixtape, okay? Uh, but, but on the one drive where he, he, I think it was what, 66 of like the 74 yards were accounted for by Derek Gore. I mean, give him credit. But, uh, but, yeah. but, but, but Tony, tell Jim it's a mixtape, dog. Tell him it's like, you know, and one style. And yeah, yes, what I'm, if Jim and, Nance would and, have gone? And on the and one highlight reel, <laughs> they call him the professor. What? <laughs> <laughs> and one more yard on the carry. Oh, is he? So is he? Is he? Again, random question for friends of a certain age: Is Derek Gore more of the professor, or is he hot sauce? I think 
Derek Gore, sneaky old. And I think you have to be sneaky old to be the professor. And by sneaky old, I mean I think he and I are the same age, oh. um, which is where I'm at right now. I believe he has a <laughs> December birthday and also just turned 27. I, I looked this up. That is correct. He turned 27 on December 13th. So old Derek Gore, as I have referred to him, is uh, exactly 10 days older than me. Um, I am decrepit. But, uh, look, I mean... Can I can I get off like a quick a quick running back thing here in sure. in a way that I don't listen I'm gonna make I'm just gonna make it quick easy and we're all gonna be chill here okay everybody everybody take a deep a deep breath this is all fine glad Kyle Bradley's injury is not more serious Correct. that is yes. good for the offense yes um the the worst thing I think you can have for a running back room is to find out that you can't trust your second or third guy and to have Clyde and Daryl and Derek Gore is you can have Damian Williams and Daryl Williams and you find your third guy. And in some cases, it's been Michael Burton and short yardage. Like the Chiefs backfield is in a good place. Um, if we were going to talk about draft picks and all of those things that Seth isn't going to talk about in his piece, I'd, I'd tell you that you can have the same backfield that you saw and T Higgins or, or and Michael Pittman, you know, who went right after not cherry picking just the next two picks and we're both receivers, all of that. Don't want to dwell on that really. Um, but we're at a point here where like, and Seth mentioned this a little bit before we got rolling. Look, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the the most like dynamic athlete and most talented and also youngest guy out of that group by a, a nice little margin. And the the larger point that I think often gets lost in people taking it all very personally, other people, never me, I would never take this personally, um, is that the difference between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Daryl Williams and Derek Gore is a lot more narrow than you would think. And two of those dudes are undrafted free agents who are playing some really good football. I, I really enjoy that part of football also, honestly. I, I've always loved running backs. It, the The only thing that's ever tainted that has been how toxic the discourse has become. And I don't, so I don't want to even dip back into that today. But I, I think we're just seeing a running back room that is absolutely at its best when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is also a part of it. Uh, had a caller on the post-game show last night who who was like, hey, so, you know, what? why why does this offense sometimes look better with Daryl Williams uh, being the guy there? There's a lot more factors than just that. You can speak to this, and I know Seth wanted to kind of tiptoe around this a little bit at least, but, like, the, the the fact that Daryl Williams seems to be clearly the third down back is one still surprising from what I would have expected when they drafted Clyde, but also like puts him in some different situations game management wise. It also, they the, the Chiefs do not seem to treat all three of their backs the same in terms of what they ask them to do. There are a lot of factors there that, again, it just not to belabor this point, but like a lot of factors impact what running backs can do and what they look like. Williams and Gore looking great is really fun. I love an undrafted running back who makes his way onto a potentially championship winning team or caliber team at least. I think that's a blast. Um, and they'll be also, to be clear, I think they'll be fine if Clyde misses the game against the Bengals. As you said, sounds like he probably will. If he misses the rest of the regular season, they'll be fine with Williams and Gore and maybe McKinnon and maybe Elijah McGuire. I think if he got 10 carries, he'd probably make some Chiefs fans very happy. Because running backs in this league are all really good, um, including guys you you might not have heard of, at least before training camp, and Derek Gore. I think it's fun, um, and also ends up in some often unproductive conversations that I don't want to ruin the show with today. <laughs> um, but did you have any do you have any thoughts on that idea of of the offense looking different with these running backs in, and, and what plays into that? Because again, I, I, 
I think we've got to go beyond Daryl Williams good, Clyde bad, because that sucks. That's no. bad analysis, and it's not very fun. Yeah, in terms of shiftiness, um, using a guy who can run routes in space, I mean, it's clearly Clyde. Uh, but, you know, as Tony Romo sort of showed on the telecast, um, as we said before, defenses have built for them to be this way, and it just helps that, okay, who's the best guy to run a swing a swing route to where I can release the ball in less than 2.5 seconds? It's Darrell Williams, okay? Um and it's it's great that they've developed that uh, tool for them to use or for them to go to when necessary um, against cover four, cover two. Like you know, obviously when they want to prevent a big play, um, Darrell Williams is more than capable. I think Darrell Williams's vision has gotten better this season. He was making much better cuts yesterday uh, than he was maybe early in the year, and I think Derek Gore just wants to run straight ahead. And yeah. sometimes that mentality uh, can serve you well. Um, I'm I'm not going to mention the player, but you know who they are. Or you know who he is. But I'm assuming Eric Bieniemy doesn't have to tell that guy to run forward. To, to get upfield. Okay? Some players, you got to say, hey man, get upfield. He was you, on such a good run too, and then he did it again yesterday. You ain't, you ain't got to tell Derek Gore to get upfield. Okay? No. Right. Um, it's... It's a it's a case where whether they need and I mean this is this is fun too for Derek Gore because you know when he's getting most of his touches the it's not like the defense doesn't know they're running the football hey fellas true yeah good point forties in the backfield and I'm handing yep. off yeah all right and and when, the offensive line is just winning and he's just going up yes. field and they're just moving the football and this accentuates Trey Smith Creed yep. Humphrey uh. I think Joe Tooney is doing a very good job. Um, I'd also, by the way, at some point I'll try to get an update on this. Like some guys, they have fractured, uh, like have a, they have a fracture in their yeah. hand, and then it heals yeah. over the course of the season. I yeah. wonder if Joe Tooney's at that place right now because I'm seeing less and less padding on that hand. So that might be something that I get to to ask Andy Reid later this week. But, Do you know how I would not heal a broken bone in my hand by, by, by playing, playing football by, for two months by trying to block? 300-pound lineman? Yeah, that would not be my personal strategy. That feels counterintuitive. Well, he is the highest-paid left guard in NFL history, so... (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) And he's apparently from outer space. (laughs) Yes, and he is a consistent... He is a machine of consistency. It is is funny (laughs) to me that they got... You know, they, they unfortunately had to release... Mitchell Schwartz, who was the most consistent, I play every snap, you know, robot at right tackle to now just <laughs> here's a left guard off the assembly line who who is automated blocking for you. Just 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 slide him <laughs> automated in. Automated blocking. Yeah. Just he's perfect. automated blocking. Someone has already lost their jobs, and here they are. Just even if a certain hand doesn't work, he's still he's he's still blocking. Um, we got to get Joe Tooney a hobby that he can have publicly, like how uh, Mitchell Schwartz became famous for his cooking. We got to get Tooney something. It's it, it's called protection. <laughs> well, something more something non football related that people can relate to, can learn a little from. Um, yeah, I think. 
Yeah. No, I, I just it's I won't just hold my breath. It's, it's just funny. funny. It's just funny yeah. to think about. But no, I mean like all those guys, I mean, we all knew that Orlando Brown was really good at run blocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh and again, Andrew Wiley playing better than even you think right now. Like yep. rewatch all the games. He's playing better than you think he's playing right now. Um which, by the way, we haven't really talked to Andrew Riley much. Be nice, we got to talk to him too. But that's a that's a you know, it's just a trivial thing that. Um, Sorry, were you not excited to talk to Anthony Hitchens yesterday? Because no, I mean Anthony Hitchens is a wonderful human being. Yeah, um, sure. But you would like you know, just I feel know, like we heard from him recently. Look, as a thing, you know, the things I've told you, Josh, is this team always slants. More offense than defense, just because mm-hmm. you have a Hall of Fame head coach who's known for his offensive innovations. And Brett Veach is no idiot. Um, he understands that he has the greatest asset in the franchise's history at the quarterback position. Um, now, does the entire organization flow in that category? Of course it does. Um, is it necessary at all the times? No. But, you know, it was lovely to talk to Byron Pringle, and I, I wrote about him, uh, which will be out by the time people hear this podcast. Because um, he had a he had a he had a a very important performance given the circumstances around the team and who was available to catch a football this week, um, you know. But Chris Jones came back from COVID and played well. I mean, Traverius Ward came back from COVID and played well. I mean, this is this is no criticism. These are just facts. I mean, Tyron Matthew is actually the voice the 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 leader with the most voice. I mean, we haven't talked to him since. Uh, you know, before the cheat, the, the chargers game, you know, Melvin Ingram played against his former team. Would have been nice to see what his reaction mm, was. That would have been nice. I it's mean, just fr- too, it's just too bad that he didn't have I a mean, bigger impact on the game though. I mean, Frank Clark is, uh, is one of the most voice boisterous and Gregarian characters of this entire championship run. Could have talked to him yesterday. I mean, you know, I just think fans, you know, Fans, just as much as reporters, want to know what's going on. And the easiest way to do that is to have players be made available. This, so I didn't realize this. Melvin Ingram is not in the box score. He did not record a statistic in this game. Correct. Therefore, he did not do anything. That's what my, that's kind of meta. There was a Mm. bad tweet slash bad story. Seth wrote about it. You can read Seth. Don't read the original one. It sucks. But you can read Seth's story if you want. Uh it was Seth's story was good. I was making jokes. It, it was not only not only did you see Melvin Ingram plenty in this game. Uh, did you did you hear the uh, Najee Harris? Uh, no, I clip? did not. A a reporter uh, asked Najee Harris about that fourth and one toss. Yes, that Melvin and... Ingram clearly knew was coming. <laughs> Let me have this, Nate. Okay, okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> So somebody asked him, said, uh, so, you know, the fourth and one toss play, uh, you know, the Chiefs had a good read on it. Uh, Melvin was one of the first guys over there. And I'll, by the way, I'll add parenthetically, it looked like the whole defense knew that bleep was coming. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen this defense make a play like that at any point this year because it's there was just a wall of red. Um, and uh, is it, so, you know, it looked like it, Melvin might have even known it was coming. Is, is that a play that you guys ran a lot when Melvin was here? And um, do did, did you think that he knew that was coming? And Najee Harris, who is a good interview, a good press conference, seems like a seems like a good dude, mm-hmm. went, no, I'm not going to answer that question. You can ask me another one if you want, but I'm not going to answer that question. And the reporter on Zoom, of course, had a little delay, and he went, no, I'm good. And that was, 
That was the answer to that question where I believe Najee Harris blinked in Morse code. Yeah, man, he knew what was coming. Big win for the hostages. Yeah, I was just about to say. I mean, the hostages, you know, when they got to when they got to get to work, man, do they really work? Yeah, they were they were they were learning over there in the in the I don't know. I don't know what to compare look, it to. I'm afraid I'll be too extreme. Don't you ever look. I know we're getting towards the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you can wrap you, us up if you want. Don't you ever doubt Mike Tomlin's. Because they still, Man. they're still gonna find a way to get a winning record. I look, he's never had a losing record with the Steelers. They got a tie, man, and in seventeen game you, season, they're gonna find a way to be five hundred. You and I, yeah, that's what I say. You and I both know they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna lose these next two games. Watch, Mike Tomlin. I just, he's a great coach, even though his team is clearly not what it used to be. Obviously, with Ben Roethlisberger, who you know. Man, it went bad real real south. One of my biggest concerns about this game that we never even got to, both in the audio forum and on the field, was like, you know, um, it almost reminds me of Joe Montana back in the day, where it's like, ooh, Joe would start these games with the Chiefs, where it'd be like, mm, you know, if we could just handle the first quarter, and then he'll, yeah. like, his body will get into a rhythm, and then, you know, his brain already has it all, so it's not like you're mm-hmm. going to surprise him. But he just needs to get into a rhythm. And if you've watched any Steeler game over the last two months, it's like, oh, by about the third to early fourth quarter, guess who's like, you know, loosened up? <laughs> who's in rhythm? <laughs> yeah. Who, who's running a hurry-up offense to a pretty efficient manner? Um, it was Ben Roethlisberger. But you know what? You never get to that if you're down 17 nothing early in the second quarter. So good on the Chiefs for not letting Roethlisberger even have an opportunity to play his best um, when it's needed, when it's been needed most, because that that's the only reason why they're even in the playoff picture is because um, their quarterback cannot play his best for sixty minutes, but at least he has been wise enough to conserve his best twenty towards the second half of most of these games. He um, Ben Roethlisberger plays quarterback right now like Han Solo right after he gets unfrozen from the Carbonite. Ooh. Where like he's stumbling out at first, he kind of gets his feet back, but his eyes aren't quite back the whole way, and then eventually he's Han Solo again. Ben Roethlisberger is like that. He's basically defrosting for the first half. <laughs> it's a very good, it's a very good analogy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. Is that so, everything? We do it? We got is, it? Is that every- story at The Athletic. Please Lead do. Seth's work, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Uh, Nate's at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at real mnchiefsfan. I'm at JB Briscoe. Those are our Twitter handles. You can follow us there. We'll have another episode previewing Chiefs uh, Bengals later this week. If you like the show, tell somebody about it. Please. And uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All of that. Okay, go ahead, Nate. Um, It's always a joy when listeners... Um, just share parts of their lives or, or why um, we have made some imprint on their lives. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm going to shout out Phil. Can you help me with the last name, Josh? Oh, I, I don't have the tweet up. It, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't have the tweet up. It's Carter, really cool, Carter, Carterella? Phil Carterella. I'm, I, I Philly tried. C, I call him. Phil C. Philly I, C. I, I, I tried, Phil. Uh, but Phil Carterella. Um, that sounded good. Sent us a lovely tweet on Christmas Day. Um, and now I feel like the podcast has, has, has reached a level where, um, I can just be thrilled that we provide something, uh, hopefully joy, entertainment, some insight, of course, 
Oh, uh, but look, Phil's wife, who I don't know her name because he didn't he didn't sit, put it in the tweet, but but shout out to her and her shout uh, out to Phil's wife, man. Yeah, her esteemed Christmas planning. Um, but look, she got somebody to crochet. Uh, I guess our twenty twenty one. Would you call it mantra? Would you call it our? What would you call it, Josh? The, the first the, thing is, I think I would call it a cross stitch. I think a, I a cross. Not, excuse me. Excuse okay, me. Oh okay. Okay. I just wanted to. I just, that's all right. Woo! I just wanted to verify. This Thank is you, not, sir. This is not my area of expertise, but I think neither it's cross me stitch, technically. Clearly, yes, um, cross yeah, stitch. It's it's one of those. I don't have the picture, but it's, it's the it's you know like a mounted cross stitch thing with yes. What I what I would call our. Our message of hope during yes. these unprecedented times yes. that were the rocky roads of the start to this season. Yes, when your team was three and four, we did our best, and I appreciate Phil Cartarella taking it to heart that the team you root for has Patrick Mahomes, and this was cross stitched um, with I would think would be the Kansas City um, skyline. Um, as part of it, but just you know, thank you, Phil, for sharing that with us. Um, thank you to everybody who's listened. Merry Christmas if you celebrated uh, the holiday. Obviously, happy Kwanzaa because we are now doing that. Uh, Josh, you know, but it's um, or we are now we are now in season. Um, I, the way that you framed that, I just immediately <laughs> thought about the NASCAR tweet that said "Happy oh, Kwanzaa." No. Oh no! <laughs> because of the way you said, "Now that we're doing that, it just—that's just." That I don't know in, why that switch jumped yeah, to Yeah, yeah, you know, giggling a little bit. It's okay. It's it, it's it's who we are. Um, but yeah, I, I, NASCAR's I, trying. Don't we all? Yeah, but look, it, it really is incredible, and uh, thank you for sharing with us and. Um, yeah, let's just end it right here. The team you root for has Patrick Mahomes, who again is as on fire as he's ever been all season. Now Phil's wife has to add that part to the cross stitch now. Thanks, Nate. Really helpful. Really helpful.